Hey guys, and welcome back to Goodversations, a collection of honest, deep dive conversations with talented voices in the theatre industry. My name is Alexandra, and I'm joined today by Paul Wilkins. He's been part of a lot of amazing theatre projects, most notably taking on the role of Marius in Les Mis, both on the West End and in the Asia tour, as well as playing Claude in the 50th anniversary tour of Hair the Musical. Paul and I sat down to talk all about these amazing shows, especially Hair, which, as some of you guys know, is one of my absolute favorite musicals. We also talked about exploring his creativity on his own terms through producing and being a teaching artist, and how his perception of what it means to be a leading actor in a show has changed over the years. Be sure to follow Paul on Instagram at paul underscore Wilkins UK and follow Goodversations for more episodes of this show. Here's my conversation with Paul Wilkins. Paul Wilkins, welcome to the podcast. How are you holding up? How's it been? It is going good. It's such a weird time, such a strange time that... Each day I wake up and go, oh yeah, this is the, this is the time that we're living in. And it just seems so um, obscure. It was very, very weird. But me, myself, and I, I'm, doing, I'm not doing too bad, actually. Okay. Me and my partner, we're, we're kind of powering through and staying on top of our positivity and staying proactive and doing different bits, but also not doing too much. So it seems like we're doing it for the sake of it. How about yourself? How are you how are you doing? I'm okay. It's I remember, I don't know about you, but at the beginning of this, I was so anxious. I literally, I literally cried on my kitchen floor <laughs> uh, when they announced the like lockdown, which to be honest, I think it's necessary. Um, the lockdown, not the crying. But then <laughs> I I think I was scared for a while to go outside to go to the shops or you know, work out or whatever, because you just don't know. And I moved house as well in between this this whole pandemic, which I don't recommend doing. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so I feel like I've adjusted to the new normal. But what's been like the most, the easiest adjustment that you've had to do and what's been the most difficult? I'll start with the, the most difficult. I think the most difficult is whenever I just have the impulse to go and see my family and I just can't, I can't go for a two hour drive down to, down to Portsmouth from London to see my family. But I think the thing that I've adjusted to quite easily is the change in work patterns, what I do there really. I went to Morrison's down the road and it was on a Friday and I said to them, oh look, um, I don't suppose you're, you've got any jobs going. They're like, absolutely come upstairs. So I had an interview there and there and pretty much they gave me the job oh, straight wow. away. That's awesome. So, yeah, so it came at a really, really good time. And to be honest, in terms of like having a free day, not much has changed. <laughs> um, but are you finding any new hobbies or dusting off any old ones? I'm getting back into doing a little bit of gardening on my balcony. I've got a little small space of balcony that I've got some astro turf down on. I've planted, uh, I've got a raspberry bush, blackberries, blackcurrant, uh, strawberries. So hopefully by the end of all of this, you know, they'll be blossoming and be able to pick them. And also, I've started to make some wine. I've seen the photo on your Instagram. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I'm just doing like little bits here and there and playing the PS4 and staying connected with people. Yeah. Good. Well, well that's good. That's, that's what matters. Now, yeah. I'm such a fan of yours. 
So I would love to get into all these questions that I've prepared, but first I'm gonna put 60 seconds on the clock for you to tell us oh. your life story in one minute with as much detail as you possibly can. And go. Uh, my name is Paul Wilkinson, originally. Um, changed it to Paul Wilkins for a stage name. I was born in Portsmouth, which is down south. Um, I've got a mum, a dad, a sister called Sarah, uh, and a brother-in-law called Freddie, and a little niece called Isla, who I loved absolute bits. We did have a dog called Joe, but unfortunately he passed away a couple of weeks ago. But that is my little my little unit. Uh, my partner, Trey, lives with me. She's Cork. Um, she's incredible. She's the most amazing person ever. Uh, from the age of kind of 16, I decided to do musical theatre and I went to college and then I went to drama school in London and then I left drama school and went into Les Mis as second cover and then I played Marius on the international tour and then I came back and played it for a year and a half on the West End. Still staying up in London, doing like this different... And yeah. that is what... No, that was really good. Oh, it's, it keeps going. You could hear the angst in my voice. I didn't make that sound enjoyable at all. No, that was really good. And also you're from Portsmouth. I went to university in uh, Bournemouth. And I'm, oh, cool. You're not too far. Yeah, I've been down to Portsmouth a couple of times as well. It's so lovely. Now, I'm really excited to talk to you about your career. But then I also know that you recently did a solo concert as part of the uh, Theatre Cafe's initiative, Leave a Light On. So how was that? How was it doing, like, a virtual concert? Terrible. Purely because things just kept going wrong. Like uh, what things? So initially I thought that I was going to be doing it from my laptop. So I've got a stand for my laptop. I've got an Ethernet cable to make sure the Internet's fine. Um, but then it turns out that the app that they, they use to stream it um, works better on phones. Now, I don't actually have the best of phones. It's quite, it's quite an old iPhone. So the camera's okay and whatnot. Um, but I, I put it into a cradle that I've got. And any time that I had to close the cradle, that cradle would then touch the screen. So when I pressed record to do the live stream, I didn't realize that I closed it and it had, it had logged out of the stream. So every so often... Um, like it was recording for maybe 23 minutes and then it just went off. And mm -hmm. so I, was, I carried on singing and doing my set. Yeah, it just wasn't streaming. And so I had to like kind of start again and stuff and then the sound went. It was really hard, but I've done it now. Good. Um, I'm sure it makes for yeah. a memorable experience at least. Totally. And I mean, if you watched it, hopefully I didn't lose my cool. That was really good. And that was going to be one of my questions. Are you more, all these techie things aside, are you more nervous kind of playing a role on stage in a musical or just when you're doing your own thing, like being yourself? I much prefer going into character. I think from quite an early age when doing performing, I've, I've just found it quite easy to completely lose myself in something. Yeah, I've just I've just found it quite easy to click to just switch and go and go into that place. Oh, that's amazing! Well, I really want to talk to you about Hair, actually, Hair the Musical, mm -hmm. because first of all, it's one of my absolute favorite shows. It's incredible, and I wouldn't be oh, lying thanks. if I said that I listen to the cast recording on Spotify every single week. Um, it's just that good. And uh, um, so, was this show being part of the show in your comfort zone or did you have to like find that courage to be part of it uh, i had to find the courage for sure um, rehearsals were quite tricky because they were quite short so we got it on its feet quickly 
And I don't feel like it gave me enough time to really get into the groove of it. But that was because I was holding myself back. My inhibitions were totally locked because it's obscure. If you read the script, it doesn't make any sense. All of my speech that I have to do, it's like, um, oh yeah, ever thought of how you're living right smack bang in the middle of the Stone Age? But this, folks, is a psychedelic Stone Age. Without doubt, the most exciting time. Like when I first went through that, what the F is going on? Then I was told by the director, oh, these guys wrote this musical within two weeks on acid. I was like, well, there you go. That makes sense. So I just had to take each line as it came and just go, that's a line, that's a line, that's a line, that's a line. And it, all these things just happen. I had to let myself just go. Are you usually quite like straight-laced or are you... Oh, I'm probably more straight-laced. I'm quite stubborn. <laughs> okay but but i can i can definitely let myself go into that world well and you did it amazingly so for those who have not heard of hair can you just give us a very quick top line of you know what the show is about and who did you play hair is about a a group of hippies during the 1960s that are set up in new york city they all bring something incredibly special to the group so you have burger who is the sex appeal of the group rugged male. Claude, who's a bit more compassionate, he's also torn between two worlds of going to war or staying with his hippie friends. And that's because of his conservative background of his parents. And you have Sheila, who is um, a feminist, and she is strong and political. They're kind of like the, the top point of the tribe. Hair is a song cycle of types. And Underneath that, you have me, who's Claude. Claude is kind of the only storyline going on. I remember when I watched it for the first time at the Gilgood Theatre, not the original, with the Broadway cast, Gavin Creel, who you chatted to. Yeah. That must have been, that must have been cool. I'll, I'll tell you after, but yeah, keep going. Okay, tell me after. Um, yeah, so Claude's storyline carries on all the way through, and then you just have Claude in his final decision and it's heart-wrenching. But yeah, but that's amazing. And I think you guys, uh, in Hair, all the characters are pretty much on stage all the time, right? Mm. So what is it like just kind of always being there, always being in the action? Is it taxing? Is it exciting? Firstly, I adore it. I really love the opportunity to be completely consumed by it for two and a half hours. There's something more tiring about coming off stage, doing something going off, coming on, going off. There's something more tiring about that. But if you really, I found that if I, if I commit to it entirely for that amount of time and, and don't switch off, it, every night I finish and I'm like, yes, that felt like I reached a point every single time. And that is, that is my aim with every single performance that I do. Yeah, it's a wonderful feeling. It's quite euphoric. Amazing. And it was an immersive show as well, to, to some degree. So what was it like just interacting with the audience? Sometimes it was fantastic, and sometimes it went horribly wrong. Oh, I really so want to know was, the horribly wrong stories, but keep going. I'll tell you one of them. So when we were in Cologne, the seats in the, in the, in the theatre were amazing. Every single seat was a fantastic view. And you could kind of step off the stage, and then the seats were there, and they were in such a tiered setting that you could kind of step up on them like, like stairs. So I made my way out one evening and I went really far. One of the things I quite liked to do 
was to spot a lady that might have like a, a pony, yeah, a ponytail. Yeah. And I would grab the, and I, I'd go like that, I'd whip it, because Francie would come off and then her hair would all be everywhere. So this one, this one lady in Germany, I did it too, but it was so tight that all it did, it just yanked her head back and she hit it on, on the chair thing. Oh, gosh, oh she did God. not have a good face on after that. Another one, I, we would come down the aisles at the start of the show. We meant to kind of bring people into it and touch them and, and put your hands through people's hair. But this one lady had such knotted hair. <laughs> As I put my hand through it, it just yanked her head to the, oh, God. But that I feel like those are the I, kinds of memories that you are going to have forever. When I talked to Natalie, Natalie Green, who you know from yes. the production, she was telling me, I don't think this was the UK tour. I think this was in the vaults. I'm not sure if you were with the project at that point but no. um but yeah so she said they had a naked night when the audience members were naked do you know yeah. about this yes i i do know of this it was just when i heard that i was like what is what um yeah i feel like only this show would have that kind of stuff happening it's not like it's the 1960s when this was a bit more prevalent. Now it's it kind of it kind of goes off it goes off in a different direction. Like there would be there are some weird people that would come to watch. I'm, and it's like, are you watching it because of the integrity of the show or are you just coming along to see my project? I mean, like, both really worth indeed. it, you know. No, but um it, I think hair really has stood the test of time. Do you think it has? Musically, yes. Story wise, no. Because all the lessons that they were trying to teach to people and, and, and the points they were trying to make, I think we've moved on quite a lot from them. So it's less shocking, which was the which was the reason for it. It was meant to shock yeah. people back into their seats and then to be like, what the f- is going on? Um, of course, there are still things in our society that aren't equal, but, you know, that's I'm not quite sure whether that will ever happen and but what did this character teach you in the time that you were playing him that I, I am able to chuck myself into scary positions and if I let myself go and creative things can happen much quicker and um, what was your own kind of favorite part of the show like what did you live for in the show I lived for the silence because there was so much noise going on at all times but there were a few moments that I had where was happening in the story was really shocking and there was this elevation of heightened emotion and everything would just, just go and I'll just see how long I could hold that because there's something in that that feels so powerful it's that place yeah that I love and there was a moment of that as well in, in Empty Chairs and Les Mis just before I sing and my friends will sing no more there's a little tacit there's a little pause there and every, every night that I do it I would I would change how long I would hold it for, but some nights I would just hold it a little bit longer and it, that would be really fulfilling. But also we kind of talked about like crazy audience interactions, but what about like onstage mishaps or anything like crazy that happened to you while on stage? Quite a few different ones. There's been technical, there's been me forgetting words. So there's one in Lamez where I, I came down into the ABC cafe and I'm, I turn to one dressing and go, had you been there tonight? You might know how it feels to be struck to the bone in a moment of breakfast tonight. And the next bit, I just completely forgot. So it's a really big gap 
at that point. The worst thing of all, there was someone there was someone that was in the front row, called her a mega fan, mm-hmm. and she didn't hide her face at all. So I was like put off by the fact I forgot my words and put off by the fact that she was reacting that way. But also, now that you're mentioning a mega fan, like a lot of, I feel like both Les Mis and Hair have cult followings. Like so many people go and see these shows time and time again because they just mean so much. So it's amazing that you've been part of these two very different but hugely celebrated projects. Yeah, absolutely. These productions have a massive effect on people and means a hell of a lot to them. It's It becomes a part of their livelihood. It becomes a hobby for them. It's entertainment and it takes them away from everyday life. So to be able to offer that to people is valuable. So what did you, as Paul, take away from Les Mis, just personally, and what did you take away from Hair? With Les Mis, I... I learned to grow up. I mean, I'm still still doing that to this day. Layman's taught me a lot of life lessons. It taught me that I have to be responsible. I have to be aware of other people and be very compassionate to every single person's ideal. Also, in, in Layman's, I felt like there was a certain way that I had to be in, in order to be a lead person. So I was slightly putting on what it was to be a lead man. That's completely the wrong way to do it. Yeah, why did you think you had to do that? Probably because I've seen other people be a certain way and I thought, right, I need to be a certain way now. You know, I need to bring in, like, I don't know, donuts for people at a certain point or I need to offer advice, unsolicited advice at some points. And looking back, I wish I could, there are certain moments in that I wish I could completely change. wish I could have words with myself have words of my 21-year-old self as I left drama school because you're chucked into the deep end and uh, just get a bit blinkered. Let's switch it up a little bit. This season on the podcast, every single guest takes, usually takes like a little piece of paper out of a bowl or a cup at random that has a topic on it and then we would have a little discussion about that topic. Do you trust me to do the pick? I trust you. And it is creativity. And that's amazing because I feel like you're such a creative person as well with your concerts and being a teaching artist and like constantly looking for new ways to to do something creative. So, but do you find yourself inspired to create right now or are you focusing on other things at the moment? Initially, yes, but I have backed off slightly um, and also i was recently been influenced by a podcast that i was listening to uh, i can't remember the, the name of the guy that spoke but it was based around slow motion multitasking this person was talking about einstein and various other intelligent people that have had eureka moments and when they've had these eureka moments the massive massive moments that they that they've uh, reached you know revelation um they've also been doing lots of different tasks underneath and then it just so happens that if you just back off and just do things and touch into tasks every so often actually something will come because if you force it too much it's just not going to happen absolutely and I identify with it so much right now because I feel like even with having this podcast there is that pressure now that there's supposedly quote-unquote so much time you know so much free time to do things or create things Um, I feel like a lot of people think that inspiration just strikes like that and that you were able to like whip up something amazing. But in reality, is that like you say, it's little things, you know, doing one thing or another and then gradually it, it blossoms. Because that's what we would do anyway, how it would happen. How does self-confidence influence 
you know, or affect a person's creativity? How do you think? Well, it affects mine hugely. In the first place, it takes quite a lot of courage to do something that will put you up front and people could comment on what it is that you're doing. And if you're putting so much passion and curiosity into this thing, it's really hard on you if someone were to then slate it. First thing is just kind of like pushing through and going, do you know what, I'm going to do this. Do you have any strategies or tips on how to do it? It's like, just do it. So if it were a case of um, applying for a job and you're, you know, you've got your, your mouse hovering over the send button and just go, just go, do it. So I definitely think everything starts with an idea and you just have to be brave enough to like click that button and do it. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know you've produced a show, you know, Bah Humbug, you produced that. Um, so what was that like? Because I feel like a lot of people don't quite know what goes into producing a concert. It's really, really enjoyable. What goes into it? A lot of a lot of time, a lot of effort for not much that comes back. Like you might spend ten days on an idea, and then it just that idea doesn't happen. So the guy that I was working with, Earl, very early on, helped me to understand the importance of, of taking on a lot of things to do and having a massive task list and just kind of like ticking off. And if something doesn't happen, then you just cross it out and you move on to the next thing. It's less about having like A, B, C and D to do, right? We need to get all these tasks done in order to have bang. That's the final product. That never happens. So it's about being malleable and, and being flexible to changing that. And if the idea that you initially started with changes into something else, that's fine. It wasn't meant to be. And what do you think kills creativity? Probably negativity. Self-doubt. Absolutely. I've got heaps of that. I feel like everyone does. It's just... Yeah, we do, don't we? I mean, I doubt myself daily, daily on, on everything. And it can be how do you How do you counteract that? I think you have to have a decent set of friends, like no nonsense, no bullshit kind of you can go to and we'll put you straight. I think that's very important. And then also, I think this is very personal, but like I used to like tell myself, even with my dissertation, I told myself these stories that I'm not creative. I cannot do this. I'm not good at it. Um, but no, you can actually start with nothing and build your way up. Like you just, it's more about courage and it's more about kind of shutting off that voice in your head to to do that and I think books help as well for me personally it's really interesting hearing you say that because it sparks a thought that I always come back to when I'm in a position of well what have I got and I always take myself back to when I was just about to leave drama school and nothing had happened at that point in terms of career but I was still very happy for the future and looking forward to what was to come so I take myself back to then and think hmm what was it what was it in that time that made me have a completely different perspective. What's like the last creative thing you did and why did you do it? There's a song search um, I'm doing with a, a producer called Daniel Torrento. We've been looking for a song that completely captivates and holds exactly what's going on right now without being too preachy, not lecturing or being, um, you know, virtue sign signaling or anything like that. It just being a song that is honest, earnest, and gets at your heartstrings. So at present, that is what's keeping me, my foot in the door creatively. Uh, and again, there's a very, very different angle to my acting and another different angle for the producing because it's kind of veering off into the music world. And, and actually on that note, what is like the one lesson or multiple lessons that you've learned through your acting jobs and your concerts and your producing that 
has that you think has kind of fundamentally changed or influenced or shaped the way how you view this industry? People see through the BS. Like, you have to be a damn good actor for people to, to not see it. But in the first place, you know, you're going to have much more lasting relationships with professionally and friendships if you just, you know, it's, everybody says it, but just to be you. Yeah, because then I've found that if you can understand your own, your own emotions and you're able to express that in everyday life, you're able to be angry, upset, happy, ecstatic, sad, different things all the time, and you allow yourself to be in that, then you can play a character with complete truth should that person be depressed. And you've experienced it. If you've experienced that emotion, then you can bring it into that character. If you have had a child, you can then relate to that. You know. So I feel there's a real importance of bringing your own emotion to a character. If you fake it, people can see it. My last question is, as you know, we started with like a 60 second live story situation. So in keeping with that theme, I'm not going to time it or anything. But like, if you could just kind of give a quick call to yourself, either in the past or in the future, when would you call? And what would you say? I think I'd go to the past and just shake myself a little bit. It's very dangerous to live in the concept that the grass is greener. Or you're, you're searching for the next thing. That next thing might never come. Set your, your goals high and allow yourself to you know, live in that world when it's important, but also learn when to switch off. All right, let's do a quick lightning round. What was the last TV show you binged? Tiger King. Amazing, isn't it? If someone woke you up in the middle of the night and asked you to sing, what could you sing like instantly? Sanchez. <laughs> Classic. I could do that. I could do that asleep. Book recommendation. There's a book called 12 Rules for Life by Dr. Jordan Peterson. Firstly, it's a really great book. Secondly, he writes in a way that is very technical, very precise, and very informed. He's an incredibly intelligent man. I think he was head of psychology at the University of Toronto. And he just breaks down life into 12 rules. It's not preachy. It's just very scientific and a very, very good read. What have you only recently formed an opinion about? I was, I was a bit stuck up about having to work at, at local supermarkets, do night shifts. A job's a job. You need money to survive and to do various things. What's like a random fact about you that we wouldn't know if not for this conversation? I used to drink too much. Yeah, I used to drink a hell of a lot. Um, and then... Uh, didn't drink for about a year and a half. Traced some drink. Mm -hmm. so that made it a lot easier. Um, and my social life changed since I stopped it. And then I kind of had to reevaluate what was important. Without that kind of a thing, I was able to focus on, on life a lot more. Um, and lastly, what are you grateful for today? Having a flat. I'm grateful for so many things. Well, you know, thank you so much for talking to me. It's honestly been an incredible hour. Thank you so much. 
If you enjoyed this conversation, it would be amazing if you could just take five seconds of your time to screenshot this episode and post it to your Insta stories because this way more people will know about this conversation and get to hear Paul's thoughts on the industry. Now, don't forget to tag me at Goodversations and I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. I'm always just one message away and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Have a great rest of your week, everyone. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I'll talk to you again very soon.